Welcome to Nerd Critic, a podcast about movies from the dual perspective of critical nerdiness. I am CJ, your resident nerd. And I am Jordan, your studied and credentialed critic. So this is an off-the-shelf episode where we pull something literally and figuratively off the shelf to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Today we were talking about Fight Club. Fight Club! So I know that we usually on off-the-shelf episodes don't talk about what I'm wearing, but can you ask me anyway? What are you wearing, CJ? Dude, so I'm glad you asked. Uh, I am wearing just a normal boat shirt uh, that's not nerdy in any way. A boat shirt. A boat shirt. But occasionally on the WB lot, they'll have sales for some of the wardrobes that are overflowing. Like sailboat sales? Uh, Yeah, that's why I'm wearing (laughs) a shirt. Uh, And so you can go buy clothes from these different shows. So I am currently... Have you seen Ellen at all? Uh, Like 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 the show, Ellen? uh, As a person? Do you know her DJ Twitch? No. Okay. Well, this will be less exciting, but there's a lot of people that are listening that know Twitch. I will be vicariously excited for them. I am wearing... Twitches, not his brand, his actual shoes that he wore right now. They Whoa! Are, they are Air Jordans, and the the Twitch swag is now coming inside of my foot and into my body via these shoes. That's amazing. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. That's amazing. I have two pairs of Twitch's shoes. So you are now a famous DJ. Yeah. Twice over. And he's a he's a an incredible dancer. So, and you are an incredible dancer. There's um, video proof. Of, yes, there is. Except for it's to compare with Twitch makes me feel very small. <laughs> um, but I like to dance, and he likes to dance. So let's say it that way. Good anyway, enough. I was really excited about my that's shoes. That's pretty awesome. And they're Air Jordans, which is cool. That is I very. Just, that's very very. I feel cool. underqualified to wear these shoes, but I'm going to work them anyway. No, everybody starts off unqualified. That's how <laughs> you true. get qualified. That's true. What a quote. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm wear, that's actually what it says on my shirt. <laughs> Just kidding. It, do, it's, it's <laughs> it does not. It's a blank shirt. <laughs> All right. So, Fight Club. Fight Club. Question. Had yeah. you seen this movie before? Before we decided to talk about it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just making yes. sure. Okay. Yes. All right. Based on the 1996 book by Chuck, I want to say it's uh, Palunic or Palonic. I think it's Palonic who describes himself as a, quote, writer of transgressional fiction, Mm. which is really interesting, I thought. Yeah. Um, The book was a really big deal. Uh, I mean, it it had to have been, because to be adapted into a movie three years later is amazing. That is pretty And Brad Pitt and Ed Norton were not, like, no names at the time either, and neither was David Fincher. So we're talking about, like, a pretty heavy-hitting movie three years after the book came out. So this book made a huge, huge splash. Yeah. and for full disclosure, I uh, was I was 11 years old when the book came out. And so I didn't read the book when I was 11, but I did read the book in my 20s. And I don't think that I had seen Fight Club when I read the book. Oh, wow. And so uh, I read the book before I saw the movie. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, kind of cool. No? Well, we'll get into it. Okay. Um, this, yeah. David Fincher, adapted by Jim Ools, who went on to do Not Much Else. But it's a really good adaptation, so cool. good for him. Uh, yeah, and we're also we should we should mention that we are talking about this because uh, th- somebody requested it. Yes, this yes. is a request. This, this is, is a, a nerd request. critical request. So we keep our promises. We do. You make requests. We're proving we it. fulfill them. Yes. 
So uh, the person that we that requested it, if you want to, I'm gonna, I can do a personal call out. Can Absolutely. I? Can you share this? Can you share this episode? Not you, Jordan. I will. Yeah, I mean, I know you will. But the person that uh, that requested this, if you requested Fight Club and you're listening and you're hearing my voice right now, I am asking you personally to share this. I'll be honest; she shared a lot of our stuff before. So well, that's maybe awesome. I'm over asking. <laughs> you're just preaching to the choir. It sounds yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Everyone else is welcome to share this show as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you didn't request it and you still like it, then go ahead and go ahead and share it. As please well. do, please do. Uh, so let let's jump into the movie. Should we? Fight should Club. we? Just, should we say? Should we say spoiler alert right now, or should we wait? I'm 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 torn um, because almost everything that I want to talk about is going to be spoilery. Yeah. Do we? Do we need? I'm trying to think if there's there's I mean there's definitely people who haven't seen this movie. That's true. Uh, so let's pitch the movie. Okay. And then if you want to go see the movie and then come back and finish the episode, go do yeah. that. And if this is definitely a movie. If you don't know why we're hesitating so bad and you haven't, like, when did this movie come out? 1999. So in the past 20 years, if it has not been spoiled for you and you don't know what we're talking about, this is definitely a movie that you don't want spoiled. Yes. The movie will be dramatically less dramatic, if you will, if you let us spoil it for you. Yes. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that said, uh, let's just spend a minute talking about why it's awesome without spoiling anything. Okay. I got I got something right off the bat. Okay. Go okay. for it. This movie is a wonderful example of an entertaining and fascinating film while saying potentially more about society than uh, – like, this is probably one of the top ones that is saying, a, like, a lot about the it world that we live in. It has a lot to say. It has a lot to say. A lot to say. Uh, but it's also really entertaining, really good, really funny, really dramatic. And so it's a uh, – the reason this movie is so good is for a lot of reasons, but that's definitely near the top of my list. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, agreed, absolutely. Uh, it, it is – a very, it was a very culturally uh, influential movie, mm-hmm. incredibly influential. Um, I mean, to the point that Brad Pitt basically defined male sexiness yeah. for a generation yeah. or maybe two based on this movie. Yeah. Like, it hasn't gone away. It even. really hasn't. Like, yeah. he basically yeah. just I- like, before this movie, it was Schwarzenegger. Like, that. Whoa, yeah. You know what That's I mean? It's a pretty significant. Like, before switch. this movie, it was like, 80s, early yeah, 90s, Stallone, like big, Rambo. Like, yeah, big yeah. macho guys. Mm-hmm. And then Fight Club comes along and literally redefines male sexiness for a generation. That's or more. pretty crazy. I do, I do want to talk talk about like uh, how the toxic masculinity. Oh, we're going to talk about that. It. Yeah, we're but that's definitely that. a spoiler part. Yes. So let's just let's say spoiler. Uh, do you have more to say? I'm trying to think real quick. Uh, just to just to say. This is, I think, one of David Fincher's also one of his best movies. Uh, the best? One of his best movies is what I said. Can I, can I say the best? What, what other one comes to your mind? I'm thinking of, like, maybe Social Network. Oh, Frank, that's a good movie. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll go one of it's his It's a contender. Uh, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I also, just before we go into the spoiler part, we are breaking a major rule, by the way. <laughs> hey, you got it. It took a second. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, we started breaking this rule as soon as we hit record. We did. <laughs> um, both of the first two rules, actually. Uh, so, 
Let's go ahead and spoil it. Okay. Spoiler warning. <laughs> you should do that every time. We should. <laughs> um, all right. So first things first. This is not actually a spoiler. Brad Pitt is the perfect cast for this character. Um, I was actually talking to my wife about my, talking to my wife about him in this movie and sh- and why he's so successful. And she said that <coughs> bless you. Thank she you. said Sorry. <laughs> he has become he he basically built a career on being the coolest guy in the room. Like <laughs> that's what like well, he like he's got it's true. he he does the confident character perfectly. Yeah, it's like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You're like I cannot imagine anyone cooler and more confident than this, than this guy. And and he's so good at it that it makes him seem like a nearly flawless actor. He, there are things that he can't do, but he is not asked to do any of those things in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've always wondered. So I, so this is this is a weird segue, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. I have a cousin, a male cousin, Jefferson. Jefferson, if you are listening, this is for you. He is incredibly attractive. The dude's an absolute fox. And I sat down with him one day and I was like, I was like, hey man, do you like do you know how attractive you are? And we had like a long conversation about if he was actually aware. He's like, I think so. And I was like, but do you? And we had a whole conversation about like if he actually is aware of how attractive he he is. So my question is, is Brad Pitt aware yes. of how you yes. is he? Yes. But like yes. to the extent yes. cause the dude's hot. Yes. And that's one hundred percent yes. You think he is? Yes. Okay. It's one of the. It's, I, I I actually honestly believe that that's one of his superpowers. Like is, is it, to is it, like context is of the self aware the self awareness. Like I think I don't think that you can have that degree of confidence without like extreme self awareness. Like he he has to like understand. He, but but how does he? How is he so cool about it? Because he is literally labeled as one of the most attractive men ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So. He's thinking in his head. He know you. Th- you think that he fully comprehends. I am one of the most attractive men ever. But he's not an absolute jerk. Like how does how do no, you? No, I don't. Think, do you I, I don't think co- confidence and being a jerk aren't the same thing. You know, that's that. Uh, that's a really critical point. Like to be really being a jerk. CJ, <laughs> being a jerk is it comes from insecurity. Okay, that's what. It, like if you're if you're just a crap. A crap hole to people. Yeah. Then that's because you don't you feel like you're compensating, mm. right? Mm. Like people who are actually very, very, very confident tend to not be that mean to other people because you have nothing to prove. They have no reason to. Yeah. Be. Why sure. would you be? Okay. All right. So I mean, I'm not saying that there are there's no such thing as a confident jerk. Sure, there is. But generally speaking, I think it's a pretty good rule. Usually, when people are being a big jerk, it's because it's it's born out of insecurity. Okay, and so I think that for Brad Pitt to be a really, really, really confident, as confident as he seems to be, um, you know, also neither you are in, neither you or I know him personally, so maybe he is a giant jerk. Maybe he is, but I don't think that you get the kind of performances that, that Brad Pitt puts on screen without a high degree of self-awareness and confidence. Okay, that's fair. You convinced me. We can move on. <laughs> it's a great conversation. <laughs> uh, so, so okay, so moving into spoilers, you're saying that Brad Pitt was perfectly cast. <laughs> because yeah. he was, he is, was, is, the the perfect embodiment of what, well, the question is, is it the perfect embodiment of what men should be or what men think men should be? It is a perfect embodiment of what a modern 
or at least modern in the context of 1999, sure. a modern man wishes he was. Okay. It, so is, it is male wish fulfillment. It is personal male wish fulfillment for their own self. Okay. So let, we're just diving right in. Yeah. Okay. So I watched this movie. And as I think about this movie and as toxic masculinity, which is a relatively new like term that we're mm-hmm. labeling it, right? Um, as it becomes more and more prevalent and, and in, in the, the forefront of people's minds, this is one of the first movies that I think about, right? You, br- you brought up 300 as an example. This, this movie comes to my mind before 300 does. And when we decided that we were going to do this movie, I decided to sit down and think about why I label this movie as, as the perfect example of toxic masculinity. But I realized that it's it's different than what I was originally thinking. I was originally thinking, like, w- what the movie is saying is that men need to fight and punch and be manly in all of these ways. But what I'm realizing in the actual narrative is that it's, n- it's potentially making a, a commentary on how at least the narrator, how Edward Norton's character, sees what men should be. And, and so it's almost making a commentary on this is not what we think men should be. This is what men think men should be and why it's formed that way and how it's formed that way. Yeah. Why that's significant. There's also a, um, a, there's, there's a formula here that I think we could consider, which is it, given a certain culture, what is the result of that culture? Um, when I was watching this movie uh, for this episode, because I'd seen it a long time ago and hadn't watched it since, um, I was struck by uh, the. I was struck by. I don't want to get political, but basically, what we've I think come to uncover or recognize um, it as as we, we call it toxic masculinity but that 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 word tends to not have as much like meaning because it's applied to so many different things but it's when you think about the sort of quote unquote disenfranchised male but that's not really it either it's about it's about emasculation via cultural norms yes so so this is the um the the cent- one of the central themes of the movie is uh, that that arc the, the the culture or the society or whatever you want to call it that these men exist in um, has essentially passively uh, had them trade their their natures their male their maleness for consumerism. Yeah. So instead of being a man, you're a consumer, mm-hmm. which you know because the protagonist is a man. This isn't about women at. All. Yeah. It's not even a little bit about women. It is about men, and it's about it's because it's a very personal story about this man who is deeply considering what it means to have lost his humanity, yeah. like who he believes that you know he could be or should be or wants to be or his yeah. whatever. Which is which is illustrated, right? You have this you have this character that all he's doing he's really trying to build a happy life. By buying all the right things, yes, right through yep. through IKEA. There was even there's even a scene of him sitting on the toilet and he has the IKEA catalog and he turns it and it's a it's a it's a very like he's sitting on the toilet with a magazine yeah and, he's and he turns, turns it, turns it, sideways. it so that it's, it's a centerfold it's, it's, yeah, it's a centerfold shot so they, but it's they, furniture it's not it's porn. furniture it's not porn <laughs> it's, forni- and, it's furniture porn but they're yeah <laughs> they are they're obviously implying that, that like like this guy's 
worth and and male security is tied up in this stuff. And then he has insomnia, and this is another thing that illustrates it. He has insomnia, and what's the way that he finally figures out? He gets the outlet that he needs so that he can sleep. He goes to a support group for men with testicular cancer. Literally talking about and crying about losing your balls. Losing your masculinity, literally. It literally is the thing that helps him find solace. So it's this very, it's this very well-constructed man that can't find value in being a man or even a person, uh, in life because he has to conform and he has to be a very specific way, go to a job he doesn't like to buy, to, to earn money, to buy things that he doesn't need. And it, it just, there's no self definition in this. Yeah. Uh, and so he's no longer a man. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so man, there's, so first of all, I have to say there's just so much to talk about in this movie. So like, much. it would be a really hard, it's going to be a really, well, we're going to have to just do that thing where we accept. There's no way we're going to get through everything we want to say. No way. So there's we're just three gonna... major talk topics I want to talk about. Okay. Well, I, I want to let you make sure and hit those because I don't think that I came as organized as you did. Well, toxic masculinity <laughs> was one of them. Okay. So we're off to a great start. That's fantastic. <laughs> I will. One of the things that the, that this movie, this story is seems to be trying to um, illustrate really powerfully is that um, because because Tyler Durden is not is not the ideal man uh, thematically in the movie he is the he is the subconscious creation of the main character who goes unnamed yeah he is an, he is a, he's supposed to be basically an everyman which is very much on purpose yeah um, and so. What we see basically is uh, a cautionary tale, mm-hmm. and the cautionary tale is um, that the the man who allows himself to be emasculated by consumerist culture will um, either explode or die, or explode and then die. <laughs> yeah. And so what we see is Tyler Durden becoming this full blossomed explosion of what is has been repressed or 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 uh yeah we'll say repressed, repressed yeah. in the every man and then and what results is chaotic and violent mm-hmm. and so the the clear idea by the end of the movie is um he says you know I have to I have to get rid of this persona that I've created because because even though I want to be a lot of the things he is, if I am him totally, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Not only for me, but for everybody. Yeah. Like I will literally ruin the world if I let myself become this this the whole version. If he takes over completely, but uh, he does need to be integrated. And so the end of the movie is supposed to suggest this ideal of integration. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you are sensitive. You are thoughtful. You care about other people, but you're also willing to take action and you're willing to own who you are and you're not willing to take part in consumerist culture in the sense of like defining yourself by your possessions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, I do want to bring up, uh, so you were talking about how a, a, the repressed side of, I refer to him as the narrator. I think that's how yeah. the credits or, or IMDb or something. Yeah. I don't know where I got that from, but, uh, how Edward Norton's character, the narrator, how he represses everything and just kind of pushes it all down because it's not socially accepted. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a uh, a subtext of homosexuality at all in this movie? Um, 
because I, I didn't think about that at all until you you phrased what you phrased in the way that you did. Oh, what did I say that made you think of that? Uh, well, the the repressed to the point oh. that there is an explosion and there's almost this overcompensation of this thing that's inside of you that just kind of bursts out, right? Because yeah. you have you have the character who is. Uh, wants to be all of these things. He wants to be Tyler Durden, mm-hmm. right? There's that side of him that, that it's inside of him. And he like want, he wants to punch things and he wants to be a man, right? And so he develops a split personality and one side of him does, one side of him doesn't. And they're the exact opposite of each other. And so this idea of pushing feelings down and down and down and down until they explode out. That's there seems to be a parallel to homosexuality and 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 all of the I think, I social think it's norms a, yeah. that push that down. I think it's a I think it's a pretty good metaphor or allegory for lots of different kinds of yeah. things, including yeah. homosexuality. Sure, yeah. like and that we've seen that. Um, f- actually, I was just <laughs> bizarrely enough, I was just thinking about uh, not the not Harry Potter, but. Uh, What's the, the the crimes of Grindelwald one? The Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. yeah, the first Fantastic Beasts movie, which was all about suppression, repression, mm-hmm. and like being not you know being allowed to be who you are. Which was also it felt like fairly clearly sort of a homosexual narrative. Which is, but but really anything any 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 and I think this actually is applicable to all people mm-hmm. because culture by nature wants to wants to crush you down to be to to conform like yeah. culture wants conformity that's what it's for it's good actually because if it didn't exist then It'd be it, chaos. Would, it would be it would be yeah. literal chaos for everybody and no one would be safe ever which is not the solution so culture says well my solution is everybody be the same mm-hmm. everybody fit into these narrowly defined categories that we've already established that make sense for everybody and then everyone will be happy that's what that's what institutions want that's what established conservative institutions want and uh, and that's what economies want economies want you to behave in a very predictable way mm-hmm. economies do really really well when people behave predictably yeah when people behave unpredictably economies crash yeah. that's that is how that's how it goes and so uh, anyway and so so the 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 cautionary the caution is that um, this is what your culture wants you to be it wants you it wants you to fit into a tiny narrowly defined role if you do that completely you will uh, you will be broken and and if and you're and you're you and you could you will either die or explode right like it's the 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 consequences of Fully submitting to the culture are disastrous personally and could be disastrous socially. Mm. So there's a balance to walk. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, it is. It's this is one of the reasons I love this movie so much is that it, uh, like, the idea of I mean, school shootings, right? Oh, yeah. Is is somebody usually a male who's yeah. repressing, 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 and then explodes and yeah. it is disastrous for other people, not just themselves. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels. That's, that's interesting. There, the, one of the, one of the other, I think fascinating points here is that is, is that it's about, so I, I am, I, I really love the whole theme of integration, like to accept that there are inside of every person, there are multiple personalities. There are multiple people, desires, beliefs competing mm-hmm. for, control over your actions every day. That's true. Um, and so to become, to mature in a, in the best and healthiest way, you should sort of, you know, you try to make a process of identifying who those people are inside of you and trying to form them into the best version of, 
of the best, most integrated version of you. Mm -hmm. So what, what aspects of all those personalities are the most positive and constructive and good and, you know, whatever, like bring those all together into you and, and, and find a way to express all of them. That's, that's really, really important. Um, but the other thing is personal responsibility. So, uh, you know, can, can the narrator blame anyone else for his life up to that point? Mm. You know? Yeah. It's like, well, no, no. Yeah. But, but it seems kind of inevitable, right? Like, well, you, you grow up a certain way. Like he kind of makes passing references to blaming his dad or whatever, you know, like he 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 hates his boss, you know, the, the, the uh, details about his personal history are surprisingly thin. Yeah. Um, he is built, I think if there, if there is blame though, it's a male figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it seems like his character is built very purposefully to be an everyman. So he's kind of a blank slate. Like you just project whatever you want onto him. He's supposed to represent the typical guy of his generation yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do want to talk about, so well, the first thing was the toxic masculinity, which, uh, again, I'll, uh, we'll be revisiting that. Re- yeah. I'll, well, it'll come up multiple times, but I do want to reiterate the, uh, this idea that this movie isn't telling me, uh, what men should be. It's showing me what men think men should be, which I think is a really important distinction, uh, because it's not, it, it's it's a it's a movie that kind of shows you the consequences of uh, of viewing masculinity as as the wrong as one thing right which is Tyler Durden which mm-hmm. is the strong sexy like I can beat people up I can take risks I can stick yeah, it to the man I do what I thing. want yeah so the second thing was the uh, the consumerism okay and and how it applies to us so stick with me but I think that Fight Club is what would happen if a psychotic male was Marie Kondo? Tyler Durden is Marie Kondo as a crazy dude, <laughs> right? Because he bur- he burns down the apartment. Mm-hmm. He lives with virtually nothing, and he. I mean, the whole the whole plot for the end of the movie was for him to literally explode the building, the credit card buildings to get rid of all debt. It's like he, he is the ultimate version of simplification in all the wrong ways. He's a monk. He's <laughs> sure. That's what he is. No, I mean, Tyler he's, Durden he's is a monk. He's a monk. He's a, he's a holy man. He's a, uh, he's the guy, he's the guy in the wilderness in sackcloth. Like he's the, he, that's, that's what he is trying to do. He's trying to get out of society and then point at all the problems and not be part of any of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Marie Kondo, yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, just the idea that uh, the consumer, like the, oh man, the, the, there's a line in the movie where he talks about, uh, and I already said this, but going to work to, to earn money, to buy things that we don't need. Yep. Like hit me so hard, especially... Like, because I, I watched this movie before moving out to L.A. and after moving out to L.A. And especially movie after moving out to L.A. where I have less space and it's more difficult to earn a dollar. And, and so the naturally both space and money are more precious. And it's it's so true because it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It's like to go and buy something that you've been wanting and you've been saving up for. Um like a shirt or something. I have, now I'm complete. Now I'm complete. It feels good. Yeah. And there's this, 
Uh, I'm sure. I don't know what the studies are. I'm sure that dopamine is released when I when I buy oh, something I want to. Sure. And so there's. It's like it. We we are told and like advertising and marketing and all of that. So much time and attention goes into. If you buy this thing, you will be happy, which it then is I go buy that thing and then I feel happy. And then that money goes to a different person who goes and buys something else so he can be happy. And it's such that it's such a false sense of happiness. And I love that this movie just like takes it uh, and then blows it up completely, yeah. literally, and then shows you the like by showing you the negative extreme of not wanting to conform it also shows you the positive parts of conforming it's just it's really well done it is really well done it's a really 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 smart book um and it's also very it's also very transgressively i use the word transgress transgressive on purpose because the author did but it's very transgressively creative um i'm thinking of the uh the ways the ways that uh he takes very, very familiar things and makes them very uncomfortable, such as support group meetings. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. let's let's take a support group meeting and let's make it as uncomfortable and weird and bizarre as possible. The main character and then another, the, and then the you know the main supporting character meet as tourists of support groups, mm-hmm. which is such a good idea for a story, mm-hmm. and it's also so uncomfortable. Um, taking uh, moments in those support groups where people talk about things, once again, that are very familiar, but are delivered in a way that is very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Like yeah. the woman with cancer talking about wanting to get laid. Like, it's really good. Really, like, if you want to um, shake people out of the the, the, um, the sort of lethargy of familiarity, then this is the best way to do it. I'm also, like, the, one of the most vivid images... <laughs> that always stuck with me was the liposuction clinic fat, mm-hmm. you know, they're stealing fat from the liposuction clinic and it like gets caught on the fence and like breaks open. And it's like, and he's like getting covered in it. And you're like, this is, this is the reason that, that this, that the book and then the movie became such a cultural phenomenon because they took stuff that, that feels very familiar and made it incredibly uncomfortable and bizarre. And like, and it may, it turned it into this totally otherworldly thing. Like, Fight Club is almost a post-apocalyptic movie. It, it it's definitely colored and shot that way. Yeah, it's it's very intentionally like dark, gritty, dirty kind of. Speaking kind of, of sh- the shooting, shooting. Speak not the shooting. Speaking of the cinematography. Yeah. Um, the first camera shot, the title sequence coming out of his head yeah. and then up the barrel of the gun, amazing, amazing. Because it yeah. also communicates pretty much everything. Like the it communicates the entire construct of the movie in one shot, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of the movie, we get these like really virtuosic camera movement shots. Mm-hmm. Like this is a really stylistically, technically brilliant movie. Yeah. Which is anyway, yeah. yeah. I could go on and on. Yeah, this is one of those things that it's cinematography, writing, acting, coloring, editing, score. It all works together in, yep. in, in masterfully. Um, okay, and then the third thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, kind of a human nature, content creation, consumerism. It's a kind of all in one, uh, and I have an I have an ask for our listeners for this one. Oh, Ooh. so so uh, consumerism, 
capitalism, if you will, consumerism is probably more applicable, is, the, is, uh, is this idea that we uh, – that we need to purchase things to be happy, right? Like yeah. that's that's the extreme. Consumerism, of it. well, consumerism literally is as an ism means it's a way of life, which means consuming your life is, is life. for consuming. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so the as a as a producer of content, right? My goal is to create something that uh, for X amount of dollars and time that can then translate in the future to enough enjoyment that it is consumed enough that I get a surplus of money from that thing that I create, right? Yeah. That's my job as a producer. And it, so I go to the content creators and I say, make sure you do X, Y, and Z so that that happens, okay? So producers get a pretty bad rap because of that. They'll go into a creative and say, you need to change it. You need to put hot girls and explosions in it so that all of the, all of the straight white males will go and give us a bunch of money. Right. And so then you go to see that movie and it's terrible because it's so obviously guided for a very it's basically one giant commercial. And a lot of the times it's like one giant sex commercial just for those that those people. And it's ruined a movie for you. Right. And so I am trying to not do that. Right. I am trying to uh, I'm trying to make the money, but I'm trying to do it in a way that. Uh, appeals to just good storytelling and not specifically marketing for that person. But I have found myself with this very podcast because I daily, multiple times a day, I am going online, I'm checking the numbers, I'm checking when it's downloaded, where it's downloaded, what time of day, what day of the week, and I'm tr- and I'm figuring Sounds all like you of have that a problem, out. CJ. I know. It's, <laughs> I'm checking all of it out. I have For the record, I don't do that every day. <laughs> I do it like once a week if I remember, which I should probably do it more often. But anyway, continue. I, d- I do it all the time. I did uh, I got onto our analytics platform twice today. Once before lunch, once once after lunch to see what episodes are performing, which way, what's the all, all of it is just in there. And it's so easy. It is so, so easy to look at that page of analytics and to see numbers, not people, which is essentially the problem with consumerism, right? Yeah. They, it's, they, they don't look at Edward Norton's character and think that's an individual. They think that's a number that if we can convince to act a specific way could be a higher number. It's a pair of eyeballs. A set of ears, a wallet, <laughs> yes. um, a click, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. It's a metric. It's a metric of consumption. Yes. And that, and so it's so easy for me to look at that and be like, okay, so I have literally, when we're, when we're putting together our, our list of what we're going to cover, our episode list, I've literally gone to like, the, I've found the most searched for movies and I've, I've like I've done all of that, and I've put together a list where we could cover in a, in a month we could cover the top ten most searched for movies, <laughs> which included, mind you, some movies from Bollywood and some movies from Korea. Okay, and I was like, no, no, that's totally worth it because we'll get the numbers. And then I had to stop myself and be like, because we hate India and <laughs> Korea. Just kidding. Exactly. Actually, I feel like we. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how likely it is that we break into the Indian and the Korean market, but <laughs> there's some pretty great movies in those uh, markets. There are some pretty great movies. So uh, we, we have a good percentage uh, listening to us in South Korea. It's excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. Anyway, and so I've like done that and I've had to stop myself and I've had to been like, I've had to like look and be like, hold on, hold on. This takes away the entire purpose of the podcast. And so for somebody to text me or email me and uh, uh, she texted me, uh, full disclosure, the person that uh, requested this episode was my sister-in-law. So, you know, I, I think she's a premium member, gets bumped, bumped up the list. Also, this is a great movie. Anyway, she texts me and she says, uh, how, do I, how do I put in a request, an official request for Fight Club? And I just respond and say, consider it an official request. We'll put it in the books. So those moments for me are the moments that I remember. These are people with desires. They're different. They're individual. And they have specific things that they want from us. So my ask is to keep me from the consumerism, <laughs> like producer R- nature remind, that might be in me. Remind CJ that, that you you're exist, listening. that you're <laughs> a like, real person and not and just a number on the analytics <laughs> page that he can't keep away <laughs> from. <laughs> I can't keep away from it. So that's my ask is that you, that you send me like recommendations. If you have movies, like legitimately I'll get on the social media and there's discussions on there to like help remind me. But this movie fight club, it's like, it's scary for me sometimes because I am, my dad was in advertising for several years. And so I, I think naturally both personnel, both nature and nurture am drawn towards the idea of people being numbers. And this movie is like, is very much a cautionary, like, Hey, if you suppress and if people are numbers and if corporations are making the big decisions, like that's going to be our demise kind of thing. That's going to cause buildings to explode and terrorist attacks to happen. I know that's extreme, but that's like kind of what it's trying to get across. And so for me, it's a cautionary tale less on like masculinity and more on the idea that consumerism is going, it could destroy us kind yeah. of thing. Well, yeah, we either die or explode or yeah. both. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I will say that when it comes to storytelling in particular, um, Fight Club is a really interesting example of a movie. And I, like, we haven't talked a lot about um, some of the issues, especially with the modern 2019, 20 years later sensibility about some of the representations of different things um, and some of the callousness with which certain things seem to be um, illustrated or conveyed. But on a more on a higher level, I would say that um, Fight Club uh, succeeds at being two things. It is a spectacle. Oh, yeah. In in terms of the way that it is, like, the execution of the film itself, like, the way that it's made, and then also the story that it's telling are very engaging, like, incredibly engaging and entertaining and fun and, like, and just, there's just a lot there to yeah. enjoy and to have a great time with. Plus, um, Brad Pitt without a shirt <laughs> multiple yeah, times. So many times. What a spectacle, if um, you know what I mean. And then... Uh, and then it is also a, it is also a conversation, mm-hmm. um, and that's I think that the critical distinction between storytelling as consumer product and storytelling as constructive cultural good is that distinction between um, spectacle and conversation. Mm. If it's just a spectacle and there's no conversation, like right. no conversation needed or desired, 
then it is a product to be consumed and nothing else. Transformers. Tra- Transformers. Yeah. I mean, it's a spectacle. Yeah. Those shows are huge. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a great example. There's plenty. Yeah. Um, kids' movies are often very very guilty of this. They're not very interested in in. They don't even believe a lot of the time that kids are capable of having conversations. So why even bother? Yeah. You know. Um. So I I, I respect Fight Club a lot uh, as a movie, mostly as uh, as well as a story, both a book and a movie, um, for being so aggressive about so many big ideas. Mm-hmm. Even when it's not quite on, like mm-hmm. even when it, it it's wrong, you could even say you could say, well, you got this wrong or you, you know, you're handling this so indelicately as to be sort of criminal or whatever. If you yeah. wanted to say any of that stuff, that's fine. But at least it's saying something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's um, I had a conversation with uh, with Bree, who writes and produces some of the other real contender productions. And uh, we were talking about about storytelling and about the uh, inspiration of conversation that story can have. And uh, a Fight Club is a great example of this, which is it can bring a story, a movie can bring up topics that are otherwise never going to be talked about, or at least it's going to be difficult to talk about them because they're taboo or they're difficult conversations. Uh, the example that was used in in this in that conversation was Juno. Mm-hmm. No one's going to come up to you at a party. And be like, hey, uh, what are your feelings on teen pregnancy? <laughs> right? That's that's yeah. a conversation that's never going to happen. Yeah. But you could have a conversation around it through the entry point that is Juno. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is a movie that does that all over the place. Yeah. Right? You're never going to go up to somebody and be like, hey, how do you feel about consumerism? But you can be like, dude, have you seen that movie Fight Club? Yeah. And then it can lead there. Not to mention masculinity. Not to mention like the the idea of uh, something else was the idea of human nature and how Tyler Durden was all against the suppression of individuals. And he's like, consumerism does that. And then he creates essentially this cult where he is suppressing all the individuals. Yes. So he like you, it's a natural place for power. And the corruption of power to take a human. Yeah. And so that was th- – there's an interesting conversation there to be had. And there's 800 more in this movie. That's what makes it such an incredible story that, that was told. It's almost easy to forget how um, how good and powerful of a movie it is because, it be, uh, because it's been – it's been memed so much. <laughs> like it's it's just been it's been memed almost to death. Like it's twenty years old. Um, st- am- amazingly, doesn't show its age as much as you think. Like yeah. I, just just have, coming hot off this movie, having just watched it again, j- amazed at how incredibly entertained I was yeah. without any real sense of like this is a little dated. And not only like, that, but like the consumerism messages, like IKEA has gotten nothing but a lot bigger in the past oh, yeah. 20 years. IKEA is responsible for like almost all furniture now. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's it's uh it's surprisingly it's surprisingly good uh for how recognize recognizable and familiar almost to the point of contempt. Like I think people uh don't necessarily respect this movie the way they used to because it's just been around for so long. It's been in the mm-hmm. public conversation for so long. It's which is be- it, that's how it was so successful is by permeating so deeply all of our conversations. Um, we talked about the cultural impact of Brad Pitt's sexiness, but that was, I think that was kind of almost a, a surface level symptom of something that had happened much more deeply, which was this, uh, this kind of um, widespread conversation about consumerism, about 
um, male identity, about, um, you know, well, consumers' culture and what, what conformity or lack of conformity will do to a person. I, I, um, I wonder... I do I do wonder if and maybe this is maybe this is the cynic in me but did it change anything? <laughs> I feel like has everything has everything just gotten kind of more of the way it was. I mean, he, so many of the examples he uses about like about the culture that 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 the narrator finds so infuriating and that Tyler Durden rejects so completely has just gotten to be more of a thing. Yeah, it's it's uh I think it's more applicable today than it was then. I mean, corporations have gotten like the 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 juggernauts have become more juggernauty. Yeah. The wealth disparity is massively yeah. larger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like mean exponentially more. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, the the amount of stuff that everybody has yeah. has grown, and also just frankly the pacifism that with which mm-hmm. we most with which most of us live our lives. Like there's the. Um, there, there's just this huge demographic demographic of people who do very little with their lives because they don't need to. Yeah. And because there's a lot of, there's just so much stuff to consume. So like, why leave your apartment? Why talk to people? Why yeah. you can have all your food delivered. You can, you don't, you yeah. don't need to you don't do need anything. To. We you don't, don't need, need to, to do go places you or know, talk to people. You know what's ironic about the conversation that we're having on this day? The new iPhone came out today. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I have thoughts about that, yeah. but we'll save them for another day. It, I, I, has it changed anything to go back to that question? Um, probably not massively. Uh, I do think more people own an iPhone than have seen this movie. Uh, <laughs> so I think that there is, there, it is a, it is a significant uphill battle, uh, with the idea that we are so closely and unhealthily tied to our stuff that I mean that's that's a that's a tether that might not ever break. But that said, uh, what's the alternative? Just give up? No, like yeah, no. So you just it's keep, also you just keep talking. You it, just keep trying to. I think it's a testament to how good this movie is that twenty years later we're still talking about it. Yeah, and and it's inspiring some. Even just if it's the two of us. Even yeah, <laughs> even if it's just the two of us. I've seen the numbers. It's not just the two of us, <laughs> uh, but uh, but there is there there is something to be to be said about the the quality of the story because I think that one day when we pass on the legacy of Nerd Critic to to our own children, <laughs> they too will talk about this movie and probably talk about how it's more applicable in twenty years from now than it is even today. Yeah. And so it's a it's a you know. I don't know. I, I think that it's a movie that has proven that it'll will, will last the test of time, partially because it's a quality made movie, but the other is that it's a story that is more applicable as time goes on. I would like to suggest one critical uh, component of engaging with this movie, like critical. I think that this is a movie that must be seen twice. Like you mm. must watch this movie sure. twice. Yeah. I mean, like ethically. Like you, it is, I think it is immoral to just watch this movie one time. Cause here's what happens if you watch it one time. Okay. You get 80% of the movie mm-hmm. from a perspective that essentially glorifies much of what we're so rightfully concerned about today. That's true. It, it glorifies the idea of tearing down institutions mm-hmm. and get, and getting bloody and like, you know, 
being a man in a kind of toxic sense of the word. It glorifies all of that until the end when things come full circle and you see what's been really going on under the surface. When you watch this movie, knowing everything, it is an entirely different movie. Mm -hmm. And it is so fascinating. I, I, I took, when I watched this movie, I took like two pages of notes and I was just like, I, I, I had to restrain myself to not write more. I just wanted to write everything down yeah. because it was so – it is a brilliantly constructed movie when it comes to setting up for the twist um, because it uh, not only works as a movie up until the twist, so you don't have to you know see the twist to have it be an entertaining movie. It's a really interesting and, and gripping and crazy movie. And then there's this giant twist where you find out that they're the same people – and then if you go back and watch it again, it is a m- magnificently better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the, there's so many, there's so many things and there's no, there's never a misstep. There's never one misstep. There's never one moment where you think, oh, well, if they're the same person, how did that work? Like literally every single scene is so carefully put together in a way that serves that, that dynamic perfectly. Dude, I am literally putting something together right now as you're talking, which was what I thought was a misstep the first time I saw it. Then it went past me the second time I saw it. And now I'm putting it together. Tell me. Which was uh, when they when they crashed the car. Mm-hmm. So Tyler is uh, yes. driving mm-hmm. and they crashed the car. The first time I saw it, after they crashed the car, uh, I was like, oh, they messed up because Tyler is in the passenger seat now. And the narrator, Edward Norton, is in the driver's seat. And I was like, they flipped that. That's a mistake on their part. But I'm realizing that's not because they're the same person. So Edward Norton was driving the whole time. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's amazing. There, there are so many things like that. It's, like, amazing. Like, I took so many notes. Like, I, if, 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 if not for you, CJ, most of this episode would have just been me pointing out all the places <laughs> that, that, happened. that that happened, that it was, like, so amazing. Like, particularly in the relationship with Marla, which is devastating. If you mm-hmm. think about it all the way through, like, every every moment, that every moment that Marla is on the screen after Tyler Durden shows up is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's like you, because you see the way she's interacting with him, and then you see the way, like, she, you like her reactions to everything are so perfect, and they're so, it all, oh my gosh, it's amazing because it works so well if you don't know yeah and then it works even better if you know it's crazy like for instance this is a little bit of a tawdry example but the mammogram scene where she invites him over to check to see if she has breast cancer Mm. and it seems so bizarre until you realize that she's like trying to get him back into her life and there's this and it's just so it's so tragic. And then when he leaves, and you're like, and it's because and Ed Norton's performance is perfect. He's like, this is so weird. I'm gonna leave now. Yeah. And like, and how that must have made her feel, and the way she rea- rea- responds to that, it was just like, ah, oh, yeah. this is so. Wow. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. so good. I need All to go, the way through. I need to go watch it a third time. <laughs> um, also, um, and this is uh, this is thematically relevant. At the very beginning, when Tyler Durden says, "I want you to hit me as hard as you can." Mm. He's hitting himself. Yeah. He's beating himself up. Yeah. And when uh, later there's a few people that come out and they see him, they see a guy beating himself up. Of course they're going to want to talk to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that's the most weird thing that you could possibly see. And, And then later in the movie when he's beating himself up in his boss's office and he says, 
for some reason, I thought of my first, my very first fight with Tyler. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, that's crazy. It's, everything is so perfectly constructed. It is actually, un, it's almost unbelievable. Like uh. you just can't, it, it's, it's, it is really, really remarkable. Um, like I remember, uh, there's, and there's, there's also clues, like clues that seem like, seem like slightly sloppy missteps in the mm-hmm. storytelling yeah. until you know what's happening. So like, for instance, what like cheats. So like. He's on the phone with the insurance guy or the detective, I can't remember, who's like, hey, we think maybe that that your house, your apartment blowing up wasn't an accident because we found a bomb, basically. (laughs) And and he's on the phone with this guy and Tyler Dern walks by and says, tell him you blew it up. Like, how in the world would Tyler know what the guy on the other line was saying? Because Ed Norton's not saying anything. He's just Uh, like reacting. So he comes in and he says, and like... You would never catch that on the first time through. You'd be yeah. like, oh, or and if you did, you'd be like, that's stupid. How does he know who's on know? the other phone? Yeah. yeah, like the car thing where I thought it was yeah, a mistake. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, did anyway. you notice the Starbucks cups? I, the second time through, after I, after I realized it was a, a very significant narrative on consumerism, I noticed the Starbucks logo. All over the place. All over the place. Um, That's great. Yeah, there's Starbucks cups everywhere. On the floor, in the cup holder, he's holding one, they're holding one, all over the place, which is which is pretty fun. Starbucks wants their money back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not the product we placement we made for. a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, just the, the one fun fact we can kind of end with, which is um, how David Lynch put – David One Finch. David Fincher. Fincher. What did I say? David Lynch. Fincher. Sorry. I, I've done that multiple times. Anyway, the director of this movie, Dave, um, put uh, one, like, it's multiple frames per second. Put one oh, yeah. frame yep. where it has Tyler yep. in there. Several times. Several times. Yeah. Oh, when I heard about that, that was like, that was... Just um, it was so fun for me. Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> so there are moments that you can pause it, and you'll see, you'll see Brad Pitt just standing in the background, hanging out. Yep. Yeah, and you just had no could idea. Could you could you see when you watched through this last time? Could you see him when they when they blipped? Could you see like did you notice? When so, they so the first time I watched it, I I noticed one blip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that was weird, but I, like it was, it was literally a blip in my mind too. Yeah. It was like, Oh, uh, and then the second time through, I noticed that same one and then went back and paused it and saw it, but I didn't see any other ones. Yeah. I think there's like, I think there's like a few, um, also, uh, I love that there are the two, the, so the, there's like one, the, I'm sorry. <laughs> so the moment that he meets like actually meets Tyler like Tyler becomes an externalization of his subconscious um they they meet on, on the plane, plane. Yeah. right after he's literally visualized the plane crash like the it's one of the most violent images in the whole movie mm. so he's sitting there daydreaming about the plane being torn apart in the middle of the sky, people being ripped out of their seats and flying off into the night, mm. explosions, like an explosion sort of ongoing happening. And then like it snaps out of it and he's sitting next to Tyler. Oh, wow. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's so purposeful. It really is just Great. like, yeah. Anyway. Cool. I it's know a that very there's, cool movie. I know that there's a lot more to talk about, but I think we're about there. 
Yeah, uh, I think so too. Think I'm like is, disappointed because like, there's so many other things that I want to talk about. This is this, <laughs> this. I think this is a good episode to call out. Like, if if you have things to say about it, there's always a new episode post on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you have things to to say about it and you want to continue the conversation, hop on there, and make comments. We will absolutely engage with you. Yes, please. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, before we sign off, I want to mention that Real Contender has a, another production coming out. On September 30th, A uh, it's a family-friendly narrative uh, podcast. It's going to be just five episodes long, and it's about a uh, woman detective and her intern and their journey in solving these supernatural crimes and mysteries in their local neighborhood. Uh, and I play the intern. There you go. And... Just it's fine. Go go listen to it. <laughs> I I'm a, I, it's hard for me to listen to myself act because this is this is just a good normal conversation. But like to have a scripted thing, it gets better like as the episodes go on. But it's not great. But it's fine. Go listen. It's fun. <laughs> and now you're gonna be curious. Like, is it really that bad? And you're gonna go check, and you're gonna be like, Yeah, it is. That's not a great pitch, CJ. <laughs> um, here's a better pitch on Friday. Uh, we are going to be um, uh, we're going to be uh, reviewing the film or diving deep into the film Haunt by uh, Brian Woods and Scott Beck, who which, both wrote and directed it. Which, which we talked about a little bit with them with them uh, yeah. last week in yeah. our It Chapter Two episode. Um, but we didn't want to spoil anything during that episode. Uh, but there's so much to talk about, and I want to do the di- the, the deep dive and. Uh, with the um, gory spoilers galore. Yeah. Re- Whoa. <laughs> the, 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 the gory spoilers galore. I re- like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I really, I'm really excited to talk about that movie. I, I am too. And I, I really hope that, I really hope you guys, listeners, I really hope that if you like horror at all and if you're not too squeamish about pretty disturbing r-rated <laughs> images uh it's, that you go see it it's so good it's definitely gory but yeah. if you can handle gory like if you if you like kind of the slasher film this is your movie this is your movie please go uh, see. This i movie. had a great time which i didn't think i would yeah uh and i did so and, go and see it, it and then come join us for our conversation absolutely and with that we will thank michael bonmiller for the music and remember to collect movies like a nerd and rewatch them like a critic. And cut. <laughs>